that your kingdom is truly forever. And the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Forever and ever. Yesterday, today, forever you reign. You reign. Lord, as we come and stand before you this morning, and as we come to stand under your word today, we choose once again to come in the place of submission, to surrender ourselves to you and to your word today. So with open hands, we open our hearts to receive, Lord, what you, the living eternal word, would say today to us here in this house, now, a now word for this house for this day, for this time. Lord, and we receive that word with gladness. Pray that it will fall on good soil, that we'll not only hear the word, but we'll retain it, and not only will we retain it, but we'll obey it, and so produce a fruit, the fruit of righteousness, a harvest of righteousness, now and forever. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in his presence, and good morning. You've been welcomed several times. I will Add my welcome as well. My name is Jim Olson. I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor at Bethel Christian Fellowship St. Paul. And I'm delighted to be with you here again today. And Happy New Year to those of you that uh, were unable to make it out in the cold last week. We still managed to fill the house to overflowing as we came together as seven congregations to uh, hear the word of the Lord for the year, which you now see in front of you in the beautiful bulletin cover put together by Greta Sandquist, as well as our gorgeous banner from Amy Watson and the beautiful painting from Sarah Howard, each expressing our theme for the year, a year of growing maturity. I'm really, really excited about what the Lord has for us this year, and I'm very excited to begin uh, sharing the word of the Lord with you again as we begin a new year together. We're going to be doing this year, just so kind of give you a heads up in advance, uh, we're going to be doing quite a bit of expository preaching this year, which simply means this. It means taking a book of the Bible and just unpacking it verse by verse and section by section. And we're going to be doing that beginning even today with a brand new sermon series, which I'll tell you about in just a moment. This year, as we have proclaimed it, 2014, a year of growing maturity And our key scripture is taken out of Colossians chapter 2. And so what I'd like to encourage you to do is open up your Bible or the Bible located in front of you. And if you've got uh, that uh, Bible there, uh, you can turn to, I think it's page 834. And then you're going to go back to 833. But the scripture that we're looking at today is uh, here. So then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. This is our key scripture. We're in the process of putting together some uh, nice bookmarks that you'll be able to have uh, with this scripture on it and uh, some of the artwork. So just to kind of remind us throughout the year, this is our focus Uh, for this year of growing maturity. And if you remember, um, last week I shared, and I would encourage you to go to the website or pick up a CD in the back, get the PowerPoint, um, immerse yourself in this, because this is going to be crucial as we go forward together as a congregation this year. 
um, there's really three primary uh, points about this year of growing maturity. Three, three strands of DNA, three um, pillars, uh, foundations upon which we're building. The first is on receiving Christ, uh, recognizing that our faith is centered in this core confession of the gospel, Jesus Christ is Lord. Secondly, it's about remaining in Christ, that our life in Christ will continue to grow up as we are filled up with him. And then finally, revealing Christ that our lives will begin to radiate out his life and joy as we overflow with Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we've been using for the past uh, year or two, as Pastor Sam has talked to us about the triangle, the in, up, and out. So in is that receiving, that confession of our faith, Jesus Christ is Lord. We're rooted down into Christ. Then we grow up in him as we are filled up with him by remaining in Christ, or what John 15 talks about, abiding in Christ. And then we flow out, we radiate that life and joy as we overflow with the reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. So that is our year of growing maturity in we're going to be growing in by growing down, putting our roots deeply into Christ, growing up, being filled up with more and more of Him, and then going out and those branches beginning to spread out as we radiate the reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so in, up, and out, receiving, remaining, and revealing Christ. A beautiful prophetic picture of this is found, well, first of all, we've got a beautiful picture. Um, so this is going to be our, kind of our, our uh, you'll see this on the bulletin cover starting next week. Uh, Elizabeth put this together. Our, our, the title of our series that we're going to be focusing on now for the next uh, seven weeks through the months of January and February is a study of the book of Colossians. And specifically, we're going to be looking at Christ in you. Christ in you. Now, let's do a quick, brief overview of Colossians. All right? First of all, so turn with me. You got your Bible, 833 in your pew Bible or in your own Bible, whatever um, page number it is. All right? So I want to do just a quick overview, and for those of you that enjoy this, enjoy it. For those of you that don't enjoy it, endure it. It'll be over in a moment, and we'll move on to the, okay. But I do want to give you an overview so you can kind of see the uh, overview of the, of, of the book that we're going to be studying together. The writer is the Apostle Paul, who it says is with Timothy. So it's the Apostle Paul who's with Timothy. We don't know. I mean, the, the writing is certainly coming through the Apostle Paul, but Timothy is there alongside of him as his compatriot and companion uh, as he's uh, sharing with the Colossians. The place of writing is from a Roman prison. And if you look in Acts 28, several of Paul's letters came out of a season of time when he was imprisoned. So that's the place of writing for, uh, you know, this is where he was writing. And I want to get you, you see, you have to understand, I mean, th sometimes I think, 
we come to the scripture and we think that it just fell out of heaven, you know, like, you know, the pages came floating down, but they, they came through the lives of very real people who were living very real lives, just like you and I are living. In fact, oftentimes in, of course, much greater distress than you and I uh, are experiencing. So he is writing this in a Roman prison. The date is somewhere in the early 60s AD, probably 60 or 61 AD. The context is the Colossi Church, all right? Which, uh, but it's also in a whole region there, and so when it's written, it's not necessarily written to a single congregation, but it's written to the church in that region, in that area, which would have included Laodicea and Hierapolis. So if you want to do some background, you might want to check in to Revelation chapter 3 and take a look at the word of the Lord that comes to the church at Laodicea because that would be several years on, several decades on from when this was written, and you'd see more of what was going on in the church in that region and some of the challenges that they were facing. All right? So, so this is the context. All right? Now, this is located in the Lycus Valley of Asia Minor, which if you've got a, you know, in the back of your Bible, some of your Bibles will have maps, and you can look it up and see kind of where that is located. But it's in that region of Asia Minor. It's a church plant by Epaphras, which is um, short for Epaphroditus, which was a, a pagan goddess. So this is very likely a pagan convert, probably from Paul's third missionary journey. Okay, so this is a church plant in Colossae, planted by Epaphras, which interestingly enough meets at the home of Philemon. Colossians and Philemon are often captured and gathered together because um, they're in the same, the, uh, Philemon is part of the church in Colossae. In fact, the church is meeting there at his home. So there's another Bible connection for you as you are studying out Colossians, all right? Now the concern that Paul addresses in the letter to Colossae, and we're going to see this come up frequently throughout the next weeks, we'll notice the, the, the two concerns are Jewish legalism and early Gnosticism. Now, I'm not going to take time this morning because I won't have time to unpack all of what that means, but you're going to discover that as we go along, as you read through the scriptures, as you begin to do this. And in fact, I would encourage you to take, here's some homework for you, read through the book of Colossians several times over the next weeks. It will help you kind of get immersed in this incredible, wonderful book, one of my favorite books of the Bible. All right, the theme throughout that we're going to notice is the supremacy of Christ. I mean, this is a book that exalts Christ over and over and over again. It's so beautiful today. Thank you, James, again, for leading us in worship, just bringing us and focusing us back on Christ. And that's what we're going to be focusing on over and over and over and over again. And that's why we've entitled the sermon series, Christ in You. This morning, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And so, so come with me there. And uh, first of all, I'm just going to read that passage of Scripture, and then we're going to come back and unpack it. So this is going to take just a few moments to read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, Grace and peace to you from, our, from God our Father. 
We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of the saints, the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So Paul is getting a report from Epaphras, the church planter, about the church in Colossae. Paul actually hasn't even been to the church, to the city, and yet he's apostolically, he's over the church because Epaphras received Christ, received the gospel through Paul's ministry, and is going forth into the city of Colossae. All right, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. So that's what I want to unpack this morning for us. What is a worthy life? A life worthy of the Lord. I don't know. Does anybody else? I, I don't know about you, but I would like at the end of my days to have the Lord say, you lived a, a life worthy. Or to have other people say, you know, you lived a life worthy of the Lord. Would you like that? Would, wouldn't that be something that would be helpful? To have said about your life. Lived a worthy life. And there's a lot of stuff that gets said at a lot of funerals. It'd be nice to have said, he lived, she lived a worthy life. A worthy life. All right. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All right, this is the passage we're going to unpack this morning. But just before we do, I want to remind you of a prophetic picture for this year of growing maturity, and it's out of Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, where Jeremiah says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't, does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. I'd, I'd like to be one of those ones, wouldn't you? I want to be a man trust in the Lord. Don't you want to be a man, a woman who trusts in the Lord? Who sends down those roots? Whose confidence is in the Lord? A tree planted by the water. Sending out its roots. Doesn't fear. Leaves are green. No worries in a year of drought. Never fails to bear fruit. All right. So, I want to take that picture of the tree and I want to break it down in Colossians chapter 1. So this is the picture that we're going to work with this morning. 
as we think about Colossians 1 and a worthy life. I want you to think. And so you can gaze on these beautiful pictures and get that picture in your mind of your life as this tree flourishing in the Lord. All right. Let's look at the soil. Come back to the text. We're going to spend a lot of time in the text. So part of what we're doing in this year of growing maturity is getting ourselves refamiliarized with the Scripture. <laughs> kind of coming back in, okay? We did this a couple of years ago when we did Saturate and we went through the, all of the scriptures. I want us interacting with, I love the sound of this happening or if it's on your device, if you want to put the app that's got pages turning sounding, that's good too. Whatever, make me happy, it's okay. Whatever, but whatever it is, however it comes to you, I want us to be interacting with the scripture. Spending time in the word because that's how we're going to grow in maturity, all right? So, Here's the soil. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. To God's holy people, the faithful brothers and sisters. And then he says these words. And he begins almost all of his letters with this. And for many of you, you know, I often begin emails or letters to the congregation with these words grace and peace because they come right out of the scripture but I think we need to pause for a moment because I, I, I think the soil that we're talking about here that grace and peace is the grace in Christ that brings peace with God and others that's what provides the fertile soil for a worthy life your roots are going to go down into something what are they going down into that's the issue. So, so good soil produces what? Good fruit. So the soil of our hearts becomes critical issue. Now, this is so simple. It, 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 you know, you're like, I know this. I, I graduated from this like 30, 40, 50 years ago. Did you? Because I don't think we, any of us ever graduate from this. Because where does a truly worthy life begin? What is the soil in which that life is planted. It is planted into the grace of God. We looked at this last month in our Sola series, Sola Gratia, the grace of God alone. Faith is a response to grace. Grace is the foundation of our life. It is the unmerited favor of God given to us his people. I've said it many times, but this is the, the uniqueness of Christianity from all other world religions. Because every religion somehow is about how do I make myself acceptable to God? And Christianity says is there's nothing that you can do. You can't pray enough prayers. You can't do enough good deeds. You can't follow enough rules or rituals to make yourself acceptable to God. But Christ Jesus has come to earth to live, to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, and to die on a cross, and to be then resurrected, to create a bridge back to God. For us, that's grace. We didn't earn it. It is by grace that you are saved. Through faith, which is the response to that grace. But grace is the foundation. It's his work towards us. And it's that work that provides peace with God. Romans 5 says you have now peace with God. 
You're no longer at enmity with him. There's no longer a, a, um, a wall between you and God because of grace, because of what Christ has done. You have peace with God. And Jesus has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility, making the two one. Therefore, there is no longer hostility between you and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? This is the soil of a worthy life. All right, let's go on. The roots. Now, Paul gets excited. He gets excited a lot. And the next verses, from verses 3 to 8, in the original Greek, is all one sentence. He just puts the pen down and keeps on going. All right? He says... We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. So he's receiving this report from Epaphras about the church in Colossae, and he, he comes with this thanksgiving. And we're praying for you because we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus, the love you have for all of God's people that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And right there embedded in that verse, I think, are the roots of a worthy life. Faith, love, and hope. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and also told us of your love in the Spirit. Catch this. Write this down, and then we're going to unpack it here. Our faith in Christ, our love for all in the Spirit, and our hope in the Father's promise are the roots of a worthy life. Our faith in Christ, our love for all, all in the Spirit, and our hope in the Father's promise. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I put these up here so that you can do some digging into the Scripture yourself. Therefore, verse 1, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We just looked at that. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given. There it is. Faith. Love. Hope. Galatians. This is a common theme for Paul. Just, just go back a page in your Bible. Galatians 5, 5 and 6. Galatians 5, 5 and 6. But by faith we eagerly await through the spirit of righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. Titus chapter 1, 1 to 3. 
Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and at his appointed season he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. So here are the roots that are going down. This soil of grace and peace, there are roots going down into it. The roots are our faith in Christ, our response to that grace, where we embrace and receive the reality of Christ into our lives. This is the receiving Christ part, again, of growing in maturity. You have to put your roots down into that soil by faith. Our love for all the saints... What did it say in Galatians? It says it's that faith expressed through love. Here's one marker, one way of, of, of discovering whether you are really growing in maturity. How is your love for all of the saints? Including the ones in your own house. The one waking up next to you. And the ones waking up around you. This is a wonderful, it's that love. How is that, how is that flowing? How is that root growing? But the beautiful thing here is that though that faith and love are truly animated by hope. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if our faith, if our hope was only for, for, for this life, what what a desperate thing that would be. What an incomplete thing. But there is a hope. And God doesn't lie. There's a hope held up for us in heaven. There's an anchor behind the veil, which is a hope which we stand on in the midst of, even when we can't see, in the midst of darkness and shadow and fog and brokenness and pain and hurt. Yet in the midst of that, there is yet a hope which animates that faith and love. And hope ultimately does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Aren't you grateful for the hope that doesn't disappoint? God does not lie. The end of the story isn't here on earth. I've been having lots of spiritual conversations lately at the Y. Um, because of my shoulder, I haven't been able to do my usual swimming workout, so I've been doing an executive workout in the uh, sauna and steam room. And, um, <laughs> but I keep having these great conversations. I was having a conversation yesterday with a Native American man who is, uh, has studied to be a shaman and you know, we were you know, and he just had this very developed spirituality, but it was it was very um, abridged. <laughs> there was nothing really. There was no beyondness to it. Certainly, nothing beyond this life. And I was saddened in my heart just by that. And it's like, oh Lord, give me more opportunities to speak with this man, because I want to just invite him into a hope a much greater hope than just for this life. 
All right. So here we are. We're, we're coming up the tree. We've got the, the soil. The soil is the grace and peace of God. The, the roots are that faith, that love, that hope, those, those three roots that are, that are intertwined and going down and digging in deeply into that soil. And now we've got the trunk of the tree. And there's one particular verse. This is a powerful verse. And this is going to be a verse that I'm going to invite you to pray both for yourself and for the people around you over this coming year and for this house. Would you pray this over this house this year? For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Hmm. Um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was once, he was 75 years old, he's a great poet, and he was still producing great poetry into his much later years of his life. And somebody once asked him, how is it that you continue, how is it that you continue to, to, to produce this incredible poetry year after year and in, into your older years? And he pointed out, he said, well, do you see that apple tree out there? And do you see the blossoms on that apple tree? He said, I think the blossoms on, I've watched that apple tree for years and years and years, and I think the blossoms on that tree are more beautiful every year. But he said, I think I know this about that apple tree. Every single year, that apple tree grows a little bit of new wood. And it's out of that new wood that the blossoms come forth. In our life, you know, said it once, I've said it a hundred times, you're only young once, but you can be immature forever. Okay? It's really true. All right? Or you can have 40 years of experience, or you can have one year of experience 40 times. There's a lot of people like that. But if you will grow some new wood every year, you will continue. The trunk of your tree, the oak of your life, will continue to grow in stature and grow in height and breadth. All right? We grow in stature as we are filled with the knowledge, the epignosco of God. This knowledge is more than intellectual. It is experiential and practical. It begins, as Proverbs 1 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. Hosea 6.3, let us press on to acknowledge the Lord. Let us keep on pressing in and pressing on. Ephesians 1, talking about that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened, that we might know. Do you remember in the Gospels where Jesus interacted sometimes with religious leaders, and he, he used these words out of Isaiah. He said, you're like what Isaiah spoke about when he talked about the people who would be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. See, Paul's getting at this, and he, he's going to unpack this much more in the coming weeks, and we'll unpack it more in the coming weeks in, in the, as we go on further in the letter. But he's dealing with people who, two things. That Remember I mentioned that the concern was Jewish legalism and early Gnosticism? Well, Jewish legalism said that the way to know God was simply by following this set of rules and regulations and, and, and following them to the, the precise letter and be, 
you know, getting your life formed around these patterns of behavior. And if you get the patterns of behavior down, then you will have life. Well, that would be like if I just simply, if there was somebody handed me a list, and let's say, you know, and I've been married to Annette for now 30 years, and every time that we were going to have an interaction, I needed to look at the list to find out what was the appropriate response. How was I supposed to, what was I supposed to do now? Oh, yeah, that's remind me. Okay, put the lid down. Okay, um, do, what, okay, whatever that is, uh, you know, those kinds, you know, and I had this list of things, and I, and I followed all of these behaviors, and somehow that was going to make our marriage life good. On the other hand, the Gnostics believed that there was some kind of special knowledge that you could attain, but only certain people could do it. And it wasn't, and, and, and I had another, I had a, <laughs> like I said, I've been having these incredible uh, conversations uh, during my executive workouts. And, and I was having a, a conversation with this guy who's, I mean, he's a full-blown Gnostic. And, and he's telling me all about this mysterious knowledge and all of these things and how he's been studying all of this and blah, 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 and blah, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm speaking with someone who Paul was specifically speaking to. Somebody who thought that there's some sort of mysterious knowledge out here. But Paul says, no, it's the, the, the knowledge is something that's very practical. It's something you can touch and feel. Jesus Christ could be touched, and he still can be. There is a knowledge that goes beyond simply the knowledge about. It is the knowledge of. It's much deeper than simply knowing about someone. And if you're going to grow in spiritual maturity, it's not going to come by simply knowing more about God, but it's going to be knowing more of God in your life. That's the knowledge that we're going to be pursuing this year. And that's the, tr that's the up that we're going. That's fill us up, Lord. Fill us with the knowledge of your will and the wisdom the no of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. This is what we're going to be asking of the Lord this year. To fill us with that knowledge. To fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Grow us some new wood this year as a congregation together and as individuals of this congregation. All right branches. Okay, so now there's some branches that begin to come out of that trunk. Right, and we find those in verse 10 and 11. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. A worthy life results in something so that a worthy life, there, there's, there's ways in which a worthy life, you can tangibly touch and see that life. You can experience that life as you observe that life. And what are some of the things that are part of this worthy life? What are, what are some of the things, what are some of the characteristics of, of that worthy life? Well, a worthy life is one that, and, and John 15 talks about this in Abiding in Christ, and Hebrews 11 I put up there, this is the, the, the great men and women of the faith, the hall of, hall of faith in the scripture. And, and you can look at those scriptures and, 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 and look at the individuals there, and you find that there are people here who, who please God. 
worthy life is one that pleases God. Um, I, you know, um, this is just a, this is a true confession. Um, you know, much of my life, um, unfortunately, and and to my great, you know, um, sometimes to my great detriment, uh, much of my life at times has been spent pleasing people. Some of you probably got that issue too. Or pleasing yourself. I mean, you're going to please somebody. <laughs> you ain't going to please everybody. Then you're going to have to choose. But a worthy life is one that pleases God. Ultimately, he's the audience of one which we want to hear applauding at the end of the day, right? Because other people aren't going to be sitting on the throne judging your life. It's Jesus who loves us. It's not a, it's not a you know, I mean, it's certainly a, a very sobering thing, but it's not a fearful thing, but it is a, a reality that he is the one to whom we must please. Pleases God, bears fruit. Fruit in season and out of season, even in drought. I mean, it talks about that passage in Jeremiah. It talks about bearing fruit. And, of course, John 15 is all about bearing fruit. In fact, if you read through John 15, you see this progression that he has appointed you to bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, fruit that will remain. Grows in knowledge. We already touched on that back in the trunk, so I won't spend much time here. But a worthy life is one that continues to grow, and not in just intellectual knowledge, but in, again, in the knowledge of, in the practical, experiential knowledge of God, and patiently endures. I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again, and maybe it's my season and stage of life, but a worthy life is a life that patiently endures till the end. In the midst of trial, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty and confusion, frustration, a worthy life patiently endures. And in fact, the words up here, we, I ended with endure and patience. The next scripture and joyfully thanking God, the joyfully can go back or forward. So the joyfully, we can joyfully patiently endure. It isn't just a gritted teeth patient endurance. It can be a joyful thing. When our roots are in the soil of grace and peace and when those roots are faith and love and hope and the trunk is growing in the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding of the Lord, then there are these branches of pleasing God, bearing fruit, growing in knowledge and patiently enduring. And what's the last thing about a picture of a tree? What is the last thing we need to look at? The leaves. The leaves. And this brings us to the last of our portion of Scripture today. The end of Colossians 1, 12 to 14 now. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Embedded right there in that passage are several leaves that are a part of a life then that begins to radiate out the truth of God. A worthy life is marked by and radiates out joy and gratitude, light, and freedom. These are marks of a life 
that is a worthy life, a life that's got its roots down deep in the soil, where the trunk is growing up, where the branches are going out, the leaves of that. There is a joy that marks the life of a mature believer. There is a joy. There's a gratitude. There's a, a wellspring of thanksgiving. It's not, a, it's not this sort of artificial happy face, akuna matata, oh, yes, everything's well. No, in the midst of even hard things, there's a thanksgiving that begins to flow out of a life that, you know, have you ever been around? I mean, you know, they, they, they talk about the great saints died singing in the midst of suffering. I mean, that's the difference between the Stoics and the believers. The Stoics would try to endure patiently by gritting their teeth and, I'm just not going to give up. I'm going to do whatever. But it was the saints who died singing. Paul and Barnabas in the jail singing. Ah, there's a gratitude that wells up. Jesus, you're so good, and you've been so good, and you are so good, and you will be so good. And I don't understand what's going on right now, and frankly, I'm not really happy about it. And yet, Lord Jesus... I'm going to choose this thankfulness, that Eucharist And there's light, more and more light, because we've been brought out of the dominion of darkness. And the, so the shadows begin to go, you know, the, the stuff of our life where there's, you know, where, where there's hypocrisy, where there's, a, where there's a gap between where we are and where we ought to be, and there's shadows around our life. The more and more we mature in him, the leaves begin to shine more and more with his light because there's a clarity in our lives. There's a congruity, which means that I'm the same. I don't just get dressed up on Sunday morning and come to church and sing the songs and then go home and live my life some other way. No, I'm now living my life in congruence with the way I'm living all the time because I'm in part of the kingdom of light. And there's freedom. There's redemption. There's freedom from sin. There's freedom from the power of sin and death. There's freedom. A mature life is marked by freedom. Freedom from legalism. Freedom from license. The liberty to walk in the truth of God. <laughs> Love it. You ever been near a life like that? I heard a story once where, where they, um, it was a courtroom, and they, and they, um, they couldn't. They were trying to swear in a witness, and they couldn't swear in a witness because they couldn't find a Bible. And the judge said, finally, "Why don't you go and get my bailiff Ed, and you can just lay your hands on Ed's head because of anybody I've ever met, Ed lives out the Bible in his life." Isn't that great? Bring an ad. I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. But what a great testimony Ed had. People knew. He had the marks. His life, there was leaves. It was, it was fresh. It was alive. Don't you want that? Oh, Lord. Paul says in another scripture in Philippians, another of his books, his letters to the churches, he says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, because here's, here's a key thing. 
this growing maturity, it's an organic, unfolding process. Everybody say process. Okay? We'd like to get to the product. Uh, you know, give me patience and give it to me now. Right? Okay. But it's a process. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't even consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Maturity says, yep, I've lived my life and I'm doing it, but, you know, I've not attained it yet. And I, I can live, you can, you can have a couple choices. You can live in the what's not yet. You can live in the reality of your brokenness and pain and your mistakes and your, all of that. And all of that is a reality. And yet you can choose to forget what is behind and press on towards something new. It's a, it's a new year, it's a new day, it's a new time, it's a year of growing maturity. It's a time for us individually and as a congregation to move towards that calling for which he has grabbed hold of us. And so what I want to say to you is don't get trapped because the enemy will try to trap us in guilt over our perceived lacks and, 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 you know, all of that. And Lord knows we all have that. And, it, you know, you need to bring that into the light and say, yeah, okay. <laughs> and yet, he wants us to press forward and into the new places he wants to bring us. Because he wants to bring you towards maturity. So don't get trapped in your immaturity. You don't have to be immature for you don't have to be caught in those same patterns that you've been caught in for all of the, all of, you know, maybe for years and years and years, but you are not a victim of that. And that doesn't define who you are. God defines who you are, and he wants to bring you forth into freedom. He wants to bring you into light. He wants to bring you into thanksgiving. He wants to bring you into joy. That's what Christ in you does. Not because you're so good. You're not going to grit your teeth and make this happen. I'm going to grow some fruit this year. It's going to kill me. No. You're going to abide in the vine and the fruit is going to grow in you. You're going to put your roots down into the soil of grace and peace. And you're going to ask him to fill you up with the knowledge. Hallelujah. Yes? And your life is going to begin to please you and bear fruit and you're going to endure. Come on, let's stand together and we're going to sing this as our prayer this morning. And if something this morning has specifically connected with you and you just want at the beginning of this year and the beginning of this series on Christ in you, if you just want to come to the altar and just present yourself and say, Lord, I want to put my roots down deeper. 
I want to grow my trunk up higher. I want to spread my branches further. I want my leaves to radiate out. Come on. Come on, let's just open our hands right now. As Lynn prays a benediction blessing over us, that the fullness of this word will go deep into our lives and send us forth. Come on. Father, we want to praise you today that you've already confirmed your word from prayer to worship to message. Lord, you've confirmed that you want us to come. You've confirmed, Lord, that you want to spread abroad your love in our hearts. You've confirmed your word over and over again, Lord God. You've confirmed that you want to work on our root system. Lord, nobody can do it but you. So we are entrusting this to you, Lord, that you would fix what's wrong with our root system, that we, you, you would correct it, Lord, so that we can be the tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that you alone will be glorified, Lord. For it's in you, Lord, that we live. It's in you that we move. It's in you that we have our being, Lord. And everything that we do is for your glory. Everything that we are is for your glory. Everything that we will become, Lord, is for your glory. Lord, it's just all about you. Lord, help us to wrap our minds around that fact that to you belong all the glory, all the honor, forever. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Now may you be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, go with the banner of his favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that his love and goodness, his mercy and grace will chase you down every day of your life. In his name, amen.